welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hey, Broads. Good morning. Good, morning. good afternoon. Good night. Good evening. Whatever time or day you are listening What's to this. What's the Truman Show thing? Good, oh. good morning. Good afternoon. And if I don't, and if I don't <laughs> see you, good night. That's lovely. I like that a lot. I'm going to start saying that more. I need to watch that movie again. Wow. Probably really mess with my brain in these current times. For real. Well, talking about uh, my brain, I am very excited. Nice segue. Not, I, I thank you. I'm working, I'm working <laughs> on them. Um, I am so excited because we've had one therapist on and it was a, it was maybe two and a half years ago. We had a therapist on like right at the we top. We also had Unfuck Your Brain though too. Does she count as a therapist or is she a, more of a life coach? More of a life, life coach. We okay. have a little bit of both okay, on okay, today's okay, okay. episode. Broads, today we are joined by the angry therapist, aka John Kim. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I was so intrigued when I first, when she first said we're having the angry therapist on. I was like, what the... Hell does Why that is he mean? so angry? Yeah. All of that. yeah. <laughs> what is he upset about? <laughs> Can I just say real quick? I just used your restroom, and I was uh, fascinated at the, uh, the the attachment that you had on the toilet. Oh, the bidet. Oh, yeah. And the tushy. Yes, and I was thinking. Um, I heard somewhere that Americans are the only people that actually like wipe their ass, and it's actually more natural and better to to use what you have. And uh, oh, I, there, there. it's. Uh, the idea of using toilet paper and especially how dry, flimsy it's kind of gross it's dry it's yes. disgusting and there's just it, there's particles are right. left right. like oh it's like when you use toilet paper to wipe something wet off a counter and it just falls apart I'm like what about up against my butt yes butt what's yes, the deal disgusting. with that it is gross I'm gonna buy one you should. It, yeah. It is a game changer. Yeah, we did have a code. I don't know if, I don't know if it's we're with them anymore. Part. But love tushy. It's a game changer and sometimes you'll just end up sometimes like my husband is not around for like thirty minutes and I'm like, How long have you been <laughs> <laughs> using that and what are you doing in there? <laughs> because you've been on the tushy for thirty minutes. I can hear it. Okay? Well, there's some countries apparently where the toilet is in the shower, so some people literally mm. use like they they shower like after every time they poop. I mean, it makes sense. This this is how you know you're getting older. Um, being 48, the things that you think about, like I should start um, hosing down my ass instead of yeah. using toilet paper <laughs> and like high thread count. Yeah. And, like, you know, just the yes. little things in life. Exactly. Yeah. I, know, you know, I always you... thought that you could just go into Home Goods and grab a pair of sheets and no, be done with it's it. It's all about and... the high thread count. Scratchy oh. sheets, uh, low quality of life. Also, um, Water pressure is important. Water pressure. Is oh, oh my I've God. always said that. In an apartment, Huge. whenever I've gone, where and the I turn shower it on. is just spitting at you. Oh no, no. yeah. Or no. like a drip. No, you need that high water pressure for sure. Also, Q- soft water. Q tips. No, but Q tips that are real, not the generic brand that fold when you put them in your ear. Oh, and then like they leave Q-tips. all the weird residue yes. in your ears, yes. and then you can feel yes. it. It's like itchy. Quality really toilet paper Q-tips. is huge if you use toilet paper. Is that weird? I don't feel like you I don't really clean out your ears. She Maybe. uses the, the bidet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Just hang over. laughs> Maybe you're not a waxy person. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Anyway. You know, this all falls under the um, umbrella of quality of life and mm. wellness. Mm. That's growth, true. Right? That's very Would true. Would you consider yourself in the wellness category? Yes. Um, I'm a bit of a hybrid, like you guys were saying, half therapist, half coach. Um, I started off as a therapist, became licensed, went, went through that whole journey and then I wanted to do more things um, that therapists weren't supposed to do. 
uh, like I wanted to sleep with my clients. No, yeah, it's <laughs> literally uh, what? just like so jealous. I, I, I shouldn't joke like that because the more I've been um, um, active on social media, you start people start talking shit and they oh, start wanting yeah. to bring you down, and that's the number one thing. It's like. Oh, you know, tell us. Do you want to violate the the patient-client boundary by sexually preying upon your clients? (laughs) Got Um, it. Yeah. Uh, I've never slept with any clients. Just uh, just an asterisk. The therapist, um, there's a lot of rules with the board, right? And so I wanted to uh, work in more unconventional ways. I wanted to meet people in coffee shops. Um, I have a motorcycle, so I wanted to, like, ride to people. Like, make house calls, Mm -hmm. bring them into the CrossFit box. And so I said, okay, if I call myself a coach... I could still be a catalyst and work in a way that's honest to me. And that felt more real and more mm-hmm. honest. And so I've kind of become the, the therapist that went rogue. And so I am, I have therapist training, I have clinical training, uh, but I would consider myself more of a, like a relationship coach. So I'm curious, like what exactly are the requirements for how you have to interact with clients if you're operating like? Yeah, so, um, well, license. first of all, like, okay, so what's happening now with uh, Zoom and, you know, um, when I started, people were on dial-up and AOL, so it wasn't really a thing. Okay. Um, but you could only see people in your own state. Sure. But oh, but it's like that's so limiting. Oh no, I guess it's not still like that. I, there's something happening. I'm not sure because I'm not really. I don't research the yeah, board. Yes, I don't know how that works with like Better Help or like things that's, like that. Yeah, it's very gray. Uh-huh. And so um, I think technically, still, if you're a licensed therapist in the state of California, you could only see people in California. So I just recently did um, I did this this uh, this TV thing, and uh, she lived in Nevada, and they were thinking of all the ways to get around that. And wow. so they rented an Airbnb that was technically in California, but it was like you throw a quarter and you're in Nevada. Uh-huh. And so we stayed there, and it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I saw her there to get around this role, but like that's one. But there's also you know just the way that you show up. And I was yeah. just, I've always been casual and I, I, um, I was going through a divorce and I started a blog on Tumblr, 2010. Oh, wow. Oh my God. And I didn't think anyone would read it. And I called it the angry therapist. I just thought it was funny that a therapist was angry. And I, <laughs> I started to talk about my feelings and what yeah. I was going through. It was very personal. It was like mm-hmm. a journal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a therapist isn't really supposed to show himself in that way, mm, you know? And so right. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to call myself a coach and, and be me. Um, and then it turned out that that people actually kind of like that, that they uh, they thought it was refreshing mm-hmm. that there's a therapist um, talking about his feelings and struggles and all that, but yeah. also helping people. Yeah, I know for myself personally, it's like I love my therapist so much, but at the same time, because like you said, it's not supposed to be like a dialogue with like personal information right. back and forth. Right. Sometimes I, I'm very much like, no, I want your mm-hmm. opinion. We're because, not supposed to tell you. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I know I want help. Like, tell me what your opinion is. Right. I trust you. I want to know. Um, and obviously, like, I get the the beauty of that. But yeah, sometimes it's like I would love to hear their personal perspective yeah. or what their journey has been. Well, yeah, I also want to know where the my therapist is coming from because obviously one size doesn't fit all. Right. And mm-hmm. I, something that's honestly held me back every time I've started getting into things with a therapist is I want to be like, but how am, how do I know I'm supposed to trust you? What does mm. your life look like? What do your relationships right, look right, like? Right. Why should I give a shit what you have to say about my life, right? And it's like, yeah. that can be, sometimes you just don't get that. And for me, sometimes then it, it, it's supposed to be a relationship that's a one-way street. Like you're paying this person mm-hmm. to just, but for me, it just, it never seems to work out. Cause I'm just like, I don't know you. And yeah. it's just, I want to know you and I want to, 
to feel like I can trust you. Mm -hmm. The uh, temperature is changing, meaning I think, okay. uh, and I think it's your generation uh, more interested in who you are instead of the letters after your name. More interested in who you are than what you know. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. but there is a reason why we're trained to be um, nondescript, and it's sure. because there's you know boundaries and yeah, and you know it's a, it's always like if you were to ask me something about me personally, I would flip it and say, you know, where is that coming from? I wonder why you're asking that question. Making making it more about you. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a there's a, a line, you know. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I. Uh, I tend to be more, I guess, more human. Pull the, pull the curtain back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Broads, let's take a quick pause. It is one of life's great mysteries that wine, a drink that should relax you and bring on happy memories and calming thoughts, stresses me the heck out. I guess it's not the actual wine that stresses no, me out. Part. It's exactly, it's the overwhelming amount of options that are there when you go to buy a bottle. Nine times out of 10, I end up buying the same few things because I know they're going to taste good. But there's just so much more out there that I would like to try. I just never know where to start. But ever since I joined First Leaf Wine Club, I have gotten to try so many new wines that I may have never picked up at the store otherwise. And now they're like my favorites. I can relate so much. So for you listeners, dear listeners, if the thought of picking up a bottle to go to a barbecue or to a hangout with your friends sends you into a panic because you have no idea where to start especially if you want to impress your friends, mm -hmm. you know, join the club because you're definitely not alone. First Leaf is the solution. It's a completely personalized wine club that helps you figure out what you like and what you don't like when it comes to wine. First Leaf uses a special algorithm. They help you narrow down what flavor profiles you like. They help you figure out which ones you don't. And then they use that information to customize your future deliveries. So this means as the months pass, your deliveries are going to get more and more tailored to your palate. As I said, I pretty much always stuck to my normal, you know, four to five bottles that I knew that I liked. But with First Leaf Wine Club, my taste has totally changed. I've even found a few reds that I ended up loving. And up until that point, I had just thought reds were not it for me. Turns out I had just been drinking the wrong ones. And now I have all these bottles. I just feel so fancy. Ooh. Discover new wine like a VIP by becoming a First Leaf member. Join today. You're going to get six bottles of wine, six bottles of quality wine for $29.95 and free shipping. An amazing deal. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. Ugh, I will never get over that deal. Fantastic. Broads, I don't know about all of you, but my summertime beauty and wellness routine is all about keeping it natural. Don't get me wrong. You're going to see me with some lashes on. That's just who I am. But when it comes to basics, I want the best products with the simplest ingredient list. And on top of that, I want them to work. <laughs> That's why if you open my bathroom drawer at home, you will see an abundance of native products. Like seriously, it's become kind of ridiculous, but I just can't help myself. Okay. You probably know native for their natural deodorant. And there's a good reason. It's one of the best out there. You know, it's really hard to make the switch to natural deodorant because a lot of them just don't work, but Native is different. It stops the stink and it doesn't contain any harmful ingredients. But did you also know Native is so much more than deodorant? Truly, your entire summer wellness routine can pretty much be covered by Native because they got everything from body wash to toothpaste and my new personal favorite, mineral-based sunscreen. Get this, Broads. SPF 30, Broad Spectrum, super lightweight and good for your face or body. It's the perfect sunscreen and look, we're never going to tell you what to do except in this case, wear sunscreen. <laughs> Honestly, it's the best thing you can do for your skin day in and day out. If you haven't found one you love, 
Well, problem solved. I like mine in the pineapple scent, but unscented is also available if that's your preference. Stay fresh, stay clean with Native by going to nativedo.com slash chatty or use promo code chatty at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash chatty or use promo code chatty at checkout for 20% off your first order. Yeah, I'm thinking when you're talking about like going on hikes and something like that, I would imagine that people open up way more yeah there's a uh, uh you guys probably know there's a, a lake in silver lake yeah and it's exactly about 50 minutes if, mm-hmm. i think it's like two and a half miles yep and um i would say meet me at the lake and we would just do a walk a walk and talk mm-hmm. and my clients loved it and it's not yeah. like we were being it's not like we we're holding hands or right, we're just right. like friends just <laughs> no, talking you're right. just walking right. you also don't have to make eye contact right. with the person the whole time and, and i think and that's what it was yeah it was this kind of walking talking feeling very kind of casual and uh, guards let down and uh it was a perfect where you have to look at your clock because it's 50 minutes and uh, i've done hundreds of laps in silver lake <laughs> to, pay, to pay my rent and i feel like movement probably gets yeah, people to open up absolutely. a lot too yeah i used to bring people into the crossfit box Hold the conversation. We're going to do a workout together. And who who works out with their, their therapist? That's kind of weird, I know. But um, That was like double punishment to me. Yeah. yeah. And then after the workout, let's go get coffee and chat, mm. you know, after the dopamine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, I found that was just, re- I mean, people were more relaxed and opened up. And yeah. And then I'm also going through the journey with them. So mm-hmm. I'm not coaching them because I'm not a fitness trainer, um, but I'm doing it too. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're both sweaty. Okay, so why did you want to even become a therapist in the first place? How did your Um, journey bring you to that point? I started off in my 20s. um, uh, I grew up in L.A. and I I went to film school and I was a screenwriter. Oh, wow. And got married. Uh, She was an actress. Uh, Her career took off and then mine didn't. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was able to sell, I was able to get representation and sell a project or two, but it wasn't, it was very feast or famine, obviously. Mm So um, I did, I couldn't make it as a, a, as a career and I was talking to my own therapist and I wasn't happy. Um, and he's like, what do you want to do if you can't do that? And I said, I want to do what you're doing. I would love, I've always loved psychology. Mm. Um, but I was 35 and he's like, you have to go back to school. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And he's like, you don't have to be a doctor. You just need your master's. And so I was like, Oh, he's like, it's probably less than two years. And I, and I got a divorce. I'd start my life all over. He, what he didn't tell me though, was you need 3000, face-to-face hours, <laughs> which took me five yeah, years. You need a master's, but also. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the master's was easy. It was fun yeah. it's because it's something you want to study. If you, if you know, And then um, then you had to go with the hours, and that was the long. Literally five years, yeah, because you think about it. If there's 365 <sighs> days in a year, you'd have to do like approximately three hours a day in order to make a 1,000 hours yeah, in a year. Yeah, so you oh got to go to like work at a treatment center or you got to oh. just do a, like sort of back to back. Yeah. And then, you know, some case notes count and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I ended up in nonprofit and then working in treatment centers and everything from uh, high-end treatment addiction in Malibu, that whole world, which is shady. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, um, eating disorders and nonprofit and all of that. And then secretly... Um, and I was broke. I was building my life, mm-hmm. you know, eating ramen and just trying to make uh, make rent, because um, you get you get uh, shitty pay. Yeah, no one pays um, a therapist in training anything. So, um, I I kind of started this blog as um, my way to uh, connect back to myself as I was going through the grind. Mm-hmm. At what yeah. point did you start going throughout this career journey? Did you start going through your divorce? Uh, early on, so. Uh, while I was in grad school, 
the divorce was already happening. Mm. Yeah. Was that something that was like, was it uh, amicable and were you guys just kind of going your separate ways or was that then something that? It was, um, no, it wasn't amicable. If I had a choice, I would have stayed. Okay. But looking back now, it was what needed to happen for me to, you know, find my true north mm. and go through what I needed to go through. Um, we got married young and it was that young, yeah. crazy, you know, dysfunctional. I, I had no idea mm-hmm. what it meant to build a relationship. Um, I was immature and needy and all that stuff. You know. Do you have a lot of clients who come to you like in regards to divorce? Because I would think, yeah. be like, oh, my God, I want to talk to someone who's like walked through this. Uh, yes. And divorce is so common now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's still stigma. Like if yeah. you were to say you're divorced, usually what people say is I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was like, man, even though it was painful, divorce for me was the most important, valuable thing that's ever happened. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you'd say congratulations. You have yeah. to first feel <laughs> yeah. it out. But yeah, you're, not a, you're not throwing <laughs> them a party quite right. yet. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. it's like, but you know what, if that's um, what you're going through and then mm-hmm. that feels honest to you, then yeah, why not? That's a, there's going to be a new chapter and a hero's journey and a different version of you mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, and then the other option for some people, of course you can work out through difficulties and sort through, but then for some people, the alternative to not getting divorced would be in a partnership that is not healthy yeah. or that yeah. is it's know. also not fair to the other person right yeah right so yeah. yeah we we talk about this a lot um we both came from like very conservative religious homes mm. um and you know so for me right now i i got married very young um and then most all of my friends got married very young yeah. and it's interesting right now because we've about hit that point in our lives where I'd say like 70% of our friends are all like currently either have gotten divorced or mm-hmm. are going through a divorce. Yep. And it's exactly like what you're saying where there is this stigma on it um, where when, you know, people from the community will hear about, oh, that they're getting a divorce. It's like, oh my God, like how unfortunate. But I would say most of them, though it's painful, are finally really like getting in touch with who they actually are because they did get married so young and there was kind of this fixation on needing to have a partnership yeah not having like your own being yes and running toward uh the picket fence because of the uh um what's that painting is it norman rockwell it's that kind of painting mostly from the 50s that you know, people think is happy. Yeah, Norman yes. Rockwell, the super idyllic, yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like the the two point two kids, the mm-hmm. marriage, and the, and I think um, today what's changing is um, a whole new de- like that painting has been ripped down, mm-hmm. I think, or it's starting to, and now people are, are uh, redefining what love looks like, what relationships look like, and mm-hmm. and all of that, checking that whole like you know concept. So do you feel like your whole perspective was rocked following that divorce? Like, or sort of what has your personal journey looked like in terms of redefining what a successful relationship looks like, what the ultimate goal is in terms of life? I think for me, um, my biggest learning, I mean, lots of things, but um, love is its own living, breathing thing. It's not something that... um, um, you know, because uh, there's, you know, I don't know, sexual chemistry or because you feel um, 
such a connection with someone that that alone equals love. That's just kind of the ticket in. Mm -hmm. Love is built. Love is a daily choice. There's so many things that are required to build a relationship. And, and we usually don't have those tools when we're in our 20s. We mm -hmm. just don't have enough life. Ex and also, um, most people have not had that emotional milk or like they come from divorced families or dysfunction. And so we don't learn this shit in school. Mm -hmm. So we're just in our 20s experimenting. So if you're getting married in your 20s, there's going to be a long stretch of even kind of finding out what love is, what it means to you, who you are, what you like, what you don't like. And usually in that, marriages don't survive because mm -hmm. people start outgrowing each other, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So I, I believe in, um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting married early as long as people are on the same page and they're working actively. But um, I think it's better to get married later. You learn some things. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you feel like is the difference? Now, as you're saying this though, I. I I tend to think like, okay, so what's the difference between that and like a serious committed relationship? Like, would you advise that people not get into super serious committed relationships in their 20s either? Like, do you have any kind of perspective on that? Or are you just talking purely like in terms of signing over a document that is difficult to get out of and messy and intermingled finances and all of that? Yeah, and I, and also like I, I believe in marriage and I know marriage is not only a document, but a, a spiritual ceremony and mm -hmm. meaningful, of course. Um, but I think in your 20s, like um like majors in college you know when you're in college you're like oh i know what i want to oh, be yeah. and then two weeks later you're like oh no i want to go study film and yeah then, um <laughs> and then after you graduate you're like oh, why did i get a degree in that right. like, i hate this right. Yeah. Right. or you double major and you don't know <laughs> right. so um that's what your 20s is like with dating and relationships mm -hmm. i i mean yes you can fall in love and, and deep in love and all that but i think you're meant to um explore mm -hmm. you're meant to get your heart broken you're meant to learn what works, what doesn't work, how you feel about it, you know? I think 20s is all about exploration mm -hmm. and not um, grabbing onto things with, with two hands or tracing, you know, uh, these old blueprints. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm 26, so I guess I'm getting going home telling Gray and the kids, wow. guys, <laughs> I'm out. I'm ready to explore. I'm wait, ready. Wait, so when did you have kids? You were... uh, I had my daughter, first daughter at right before my 24th birthday. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Wasn't on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah. My second one wasn't on purpose either, but here we are. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that actually gives me a sort of a different perspective too on my personal journey because then it's mm. like for me and my personality, it almost works better that it wasn't my choice. Mm -hmm. So then I have the kind of personality where I'm like, these are the these are the cards that the that the universe dealt me, and so now I got to make the best of it, and so that makes it a little bit more of a fun adventure. Well, what's what's different about your story is being in your twenties and having children forces you to grow up very fast. Yeah. So in a different particular in a way, diff right? And so if you're in your twenties and you don't have children, um, you're probably ex well, you're able. You just have more time. You can do more things. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. So yeah. It's also interesting because I was just going around on your Instagram a little bit and you were talking, there was one particular post where you're talking about this emphasis on marriage and you probably have a similar perspective. I believe you have a committed partner and a yeah. child yeah. and we're, we are not married, my boyfriend yeah. and I, but it's so funny how people are always asking, when are you going to get married and when are you going to get married? And I repeat this all the time on the podcast, but my dad always told me, when you're married to someone and you get divorced, you could never see that person again. 
you know, like mm. you could successfully excommunicate them for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you have kids with the person and you split up, you're going to see that person the rest of your sure. life. You're going to see them at graduations, at birthday parties, right. mm -hmm. at their kids' kids' events, you know. And so it's just kind of funny to me when I see people putting such an emphasis on when are we going to get married, when I'm like, we have made such a big commitment together already mm. to raise a human together and to share that responsibility. To me now, the weight of marriage is... In, just in my opinion, it's just kind of an afterthought. So right. when people ask now, like, oh, are you are you sure are you ready to get married? I'm kind of like, I don't, th that does not have any bearing yeah. on like the weight of my relationship. So you're not for point. or against, it's not, it's just not on your list right now. No, and I think we do want to get married yeah. for like very practical reasons right? and for fun reasons. Cause like we want to have a party, but <laughs> it's sort of like <laughs> for the flair of it. Yeah. <laughs> for the, yes, exactly. For the indulgence out of it yeah. all, but it does not uh, weight my commitment down any further yeah. than it already is. Yeah. So I'm curious I, about your perspective. If, if I was to get married again, it would be small. It would be like how I think how The Rock did it. I think he just had like five people in Hawaii or something. Yeah. Um, my first wedding was, you know, like the hundred people mm -hmm. and, and big. Um, yeah, I wrote that because most people assume we're married. Mm -hmm. And they're always like, oh, well, where, how's your, your wife? wife? Yeah, yeah, your husband. You probably get it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's the residue of the strong shoulds from, you know, generations before us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like where you are. I'm, I, it's not like I don't want to get married. It's just not, I'm, I'm busy wiping shit off my forehead from the diapers that I changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Why does it matter um, right. right now? <laughs> and I also want to do it when I feel like, you know what, this is something I really want. Mm -hmm. Not because of the strong shit from society where mm -hmm. it's like, oh shit, I better get married. We have kids, we have a house. People are going to think that we're doing wrong things and, you know, that should have happened before. Like, you know, I don't want to buy into that. And I feel like so many people in our generations are the byproduct of that. Yeah. yeah. Of shotgun weddings right. and of all mm -hmm. that kind of, and of that pressure. I don't want to do anything forced anymore. Mm -mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Like weddings, I mean, marriage would be one thing, obviously a big one, but just in general, I'm sick of doing things that feel like, oh, I should, or mm. it's, it's not coming from me. It's coming from something outside of self. I, I, I question it now. Do you feel like you've always been that kind of person or was there a no. shift at some point? No, of course not. I was uh, um, someone who always exchanged my truth for membership, especially growing up in LA, mm. okay. um, chasing mm -hmm. shiny things. My I've never heard that that uh, expression before. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's just, it's a sentence that I, um, always, it's something I keep in my back pocket. Like in my, uh, my first, my, uh, my second book is called, I used to be a miserable fuck yeah. and it kind of comes from me living outside in instead mm -hmm. of inside out and exchanging my, my truth for membership. And so I, I always ask myself, um, whatever the engagement is, whether it's a conversation or a, a, a book deal, whatever it is, am I exchanging my truth for some kind of membership? And if mm -hmm. I am, I know that's pseudo. I know that's who I used to be. And I know that road leads to a cul-de-sac. That's me being miserable. And so I stop myself and I'm like, okay, what would it look like to not do that? And that's where I, I try to swim toward. Um, it's not easy. It's still hard. It still feels like swimming up river. You yeah. Know? But um, yeah, that's one of the things uh, is pulling more from my, um, my solid self instead of pseudo self. There's a like Bible verse that comes to mind when you say that, where it's like better to something like uh, like 
do not forfeit your soul to gain the mm. world. Yeah, mm-hmm. you sure. know. Sure. And so I think about that a lot, especially like living in somewhere in LA. Yeah. Like, look at <laughs> what's it worth. What's yeah. it worth it? There, to there's you? a lot of souls being forfeited in Los Angeles. What yeah. What is success? Uh, success like worth and how much do you have to give up of your personal authenticity and your own truth in order to get there? Well, you know what's helped me is redefining what success looks like. Mm -hmm. So like success before meant, you know, the house in the Hollywood Hills, the the Range Rover Porsche combo and all that. And it doesn't, I mean, I'm a gearhead, so, you know, maybe I will have cars, but that it's, it's tying your worth to these things. Yeah. Um, Today's success means if you design a life where it feels honest to you with wherever you're at, I feel like that's successful. Mm-hmm. I think you're successful. So it doesn't matter like about the scoreboard, what you have, what you look like, you know, how much money yeah. you have in the bank or whatever. It's about, uh, is, does your life feel honest to you? Mm-hmm. You know, and you gotta be honest to even answer that question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, I think about, you know, the people that I grew up with and like when you all kind of get together with like old high school friends or whatever. And I remember, the first few years like out of college getting together and there was this kind of like competitive energy where it's like who has the best job oh sure who's making the most money you know and that was car are they driving yeah exactly and i remember actively being kind of like caught up in it being like okay well we're doing well here this person's doing better but like you know what's our dynamic and like what car are we gonna pull up in and whatever and uh in more recent years, it's just kind of been like, <laughs> what what has brought so much joy is just being able to be com- like, try to be honest mm-hmm. in like who we are and what our relationship is. And, you know, we had a big, my husband and I had like a big life shift and dynamic change with like family and how we kind of live our lives. And as tough as it was, it's like, now all of a sudden when we're getting together with friends, it's like, yeah, we're definitely not the most successful of like all of our group of friends, but at least there there feels like there is an honesty there. And so I'm like, I feel like we're sitting down at the table with everyone. I'm like happily having conversation and I feel like way more full and I don't feel this like com- like competition so well, much anymore. Now, granted, it, it creeps back. <laughs> I'm not saying I've conquered it, but it's there's yeah. there's way more like like. like joy I guess and you know through my lens um because you said that we're sitting at the table and being honest yeah to me I would stamp that as success more than you know your friend with a Bentley or wherever they're in their life right um so yeah I think it's about just your definition and what you know what it what it means to you yeah yeah and of course I'm sure that's often defined by our culture and the kind of society that we live in too so when I just like go down the road of thinking how the u.s views like it's so i feel like it's really difficult to separate your worth from those yeah, kind of definitions because ingrained. you're 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 taught you're commodified constantly and your productivity mm-hmm. right. is constantly being right. measured even just on instagram you know so i'll be scrolling just having fun and then it's like how to increase your productivity sure. how to make the most yeah. out of your day you know how to ca- totally. and, and and of course when you're a parent too your time is always commodified it's like I feel like that's can be the root of most arguments with your partner is like this co- commodification of time we were talking about today. You're going golfing for eight fucking hours, which means that I have to watch yeah. the kid for eight <laughs> hours. So like when you get home, can I have two hours to myself? And it's like, you know, 
time and our worth uh, as humans is like constantly being commodified in some way or another. So what sort of is like the antidote to that? Because even if you're trying in your head to be like, you know, my worth is not measured by like my car or whatever, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes it's so difficult to separate yourself from like my value being measured by how I use my time That's and what true. the fruit of my time is is yeah. you know yes and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being uh productive or building your empire or you know whatever uh, goals that you have um i just don't think it's i think it's dangerous when that's tied to your worth mm -hmm. yeah or when you're yeah. consumed by it so i yes. guess it's part of or my if question that becomes your your life right yeah. so it's like you know for me i feel like i have this equalizer it's a life equalizer and you got the, the bass and treble and i just make sure um because it goes out of pitch daily yeah. So just kind of checking in with myself and making sure that the pitch sounds right for me today. And it could be different tomorrow. Like, I think it's okay if one day you're like put on, turn your dial to the, the rock and be like, you know, the hardest worker in the room. And, you know, mm -hmm. great. That's your truth. And that's how you feel in that day. That's okay. But I don't think that has to be every day and for the reason because of uh, it's a should and not because it feels honest mm. to you, you know? And because the next day it could be like, all right, I'm going to the beach and I'm just gonna practice self-care and do nothing. Mm -hmm. So do you think that comes down to sort of like knowing yourself and then honoring yourself in yes, that way? Yes, I think everything starts with there. And I don't, so knowing yourself is a little misleading because I think we're always changing and sure. you knowing yourself today might be different next week. Um, Cause knowing yourself feels like it's a light switch or you've arrived at the so maybe being able to tune into yourself yes. using yes. a similar analogy yeah so being able um, to find your radio frequency of where you're at i love um, what you just said tuning into yourself i mean that that, that book is all about connecting back to you yes. which is tuning into yourself uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> um single but, on yeah. purpose yeah so uh, tuning into yourself that's great that's mm -hmm. that's i think the the beginning is do you think okay so this book single on purpose I was looking at the back. This is not an anti-relationship book. This is a pro-relationship with yourself book. Do you feel like- Love um, the title, by the way. No, Single on purpose. Yeah, I like it too. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like sometimes w people use relationships as a way to- Hide. Not have to tune into themselves because oh, yeah, they're course. tuning into another yeah. person. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think they don't even know it. Uh, it's hard to find yourself if you've lost yourself in someone else, oh. you know what I'm saying? And so what, what relationships can do is they can provide a space for you to hide, for you to not look at your own shit, for you to um, also just feel good, just the dopamine of loving yeah. someone, you know? Um, it's hard to be single, especially today with uh, swipe culture and everything. You know, I, I grew up where you had to actually walk up to someone and ask for their phone number. And, right. and then um, you look on your pager to see if, uh, Anyway, so today with like, <laughs> I think we've, we've turned into to baseball cards and I think there's room for um, ghosting and getting catfished and dick pics and all the stuff that's happening. And I think it makes us scared and, and also uh, uh, hopeless. And so this book came from me doing sessions with um, thousands of mostly women in their 30s who were just like, um, I'm not happy because I can't find love. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that was, let's not find love. Let's find you. And if you find love by finding you, great. And if you don't, you got to be okay with that because then you'll always be powerless to this idea of love, you know? And like what we said before, the picket fence or whatever your idea is, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The next step. The next step, yeah. How do you define that, finding yourself? Oh, I think it's different for everyone. 
um, I found my, there's a chapter in there that says I found myself through um, donuts, barbells, and a motorcycle, which is very different than, say, um, Eat, Love, Pray, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. she found herself through exotic uh, travel and affairs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, I would have preferred that probably. Yeah, <laughs> a little um, more romantic. Yeah. <laughs> but all I had was um, um, what I had, which was just uh, struggling in Los Angeles. And uh, I discovered fitness. Uh, I bought a motorcycle. Um, and by donuts, I don't, I mean, I guess literally because I love donuts, but also just kind of uh, um, self-care, taking yourself out to uh, diners. I've been in every diner in Los Angeles really? for hours. I was just at uh, Cindy's and oh, yeah, 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 just sitting at the counter. And it felt great because, you know, after the pandemic, it's just, and just listening to um, podcasts and eating and like doing a lot of that kind of spending time with myself. Mm. Um, I think it was Ryan Reynolds who once said uh, when he was, not famous or successful and he was uh, struggling in los angeles um it was his motorcycle that saved his life and i was like what does that even mean and then i bought one and spent a lot of time um because you have to be so present or you're gonna die right so yeah. don't let gray and evan listen to this podcast. i know i'm like oh Jesus they're gonna buy Christ. <laughs> gray and evan you gotta buy more stuff i'm telling you it's gonna oh change my your god life. don't listen to this grayson but imagine imagine grayson coming home how uh less stressed out yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of him, him coming home dead. That's what I'm worried about. So, um, no, it's funny things you like say that. that yeah, though. finding yourself through things like that. I have a, I have one of our friends who recently just kind of had a, had a life shift. A life shift after buying a motorcycle, mm. like straight up. Yeah. <laughs> he was saying that it like changed his life. Sure, but um, yeah, it's interesting. All right, broads, one more quick pause. Listen, if the last year, if in the last year you felt as though you've lived 100 years, you're not alone. All of us deserve a break right about now, but not just a physical break, although we need those as well. But what about a mental break? Something you can do that gives your brain a rest. And no, I don't mean social media because we all know that is absolutely not a break. That is not a break. If you're looking for a way to decompress but keep your brain engaged, well, look no further than Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that's perfect for just about any situation. Standing in a long line, Best Fiends can help pass the time. Boring road trip, Best Fiends can make it exciting. Just need to take a break between zoom calls well you got best fiends it's fun no matter how much time you have on your hands and that's actually the reason i love it the most because with some games you really have to get invested in order to understand what's going on or to have fun so you're like forget it i'm not even going to start playing anyway but best fiends is designed to be engaging if you have three minutes 30 minutes or three hours to play. And if you do play a lot, I promise you, you'll still never run out of new levels to explore or characters to collect because they are constantly releasing new challengers and themes. I love that Best Fiends gives me something to do that is enough of a mental break, but still manages to keep me super engaged. I've recently started a new competition with Evan, which I'm, of course, currently winning. Download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends Free today on the app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends so broads you all know that uh they say you don't know what you have until it's gone right well dang it if that didn't hit me hard this past year i love traveling so much trying new foods meeting new people it's one of my favorite hobbies and it always has been but I don't know if I truly understood just how important it was to me until the ability to do so was taken away. I swear to you, I got obsessed with the idea of travel during COVID. So I would just like watch travel shows on TV, spend hours perusing travel blogs. But of all the ways that helped me feel connected to the adventure of new places the most, 
It was trying my hand at learning a new language. That was my favorite. Okay, I know what you're all thinking out there. Learning a new language. That's a bit intense for anyone that doesn't have hours to dedicate to studying. But that is just not true. Babbel offers 15-minute lessons that fit into any part of your day, and learning a new language has never been easier. They design their courses with practicality in mind. If you took a language class in high school, then you know memorizing long lists of unconnected vocabulary does not cut it if you're wanting to seriously learn a new language. Babbel's scientifically proven technique will have you comprehending and speaking in no time. There are 14 different languages to choose from on Babbel, everything from French to Italian to German to Spanish. Uh, Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts and Babbel's speech recognition technology uh, helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. That's one of my favorite pieces. Uh, there are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you're going to get an additional three months for free. So that's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code chatty. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code chatty for an extra three months free. Okay, so wait, but I'm I'm curious. So like is this finding yourself there's truth in this cliche then you believe of like Yes. Absolutely. Going on a trip so yeah, I, I don't I don't like you know? um I don't like the word finding yourself. I, I I might have used it as well in the book. I don't like self-love. I just feel like they're just overplayed. They become yeah. slippery because we hear them so much, right? They don't mean anything you got to date anymore. yourself, you got to love yeah. yourself and it just mm-hmm. doesn't mean nothing. So yeah. um for me it's about building a better relationship with you. Mm. So connecting to you. So I believe uh, uh, when I was so when I was going through my divorce, I said to myself, "What part of me have I locked away because life happened?" And I think many as we grow up and we gotta uh, pay taxes, we have to um, you know uh, raise our children or we get married. Things happen where we start to put parts of ourselves into a hope chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think taking the spirit of that person out and reconnecting is the beginning of quote unquote finding yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for me. It wasn't just buying a motorcycle. Um, I wanted a dirt bike in the 80s. My parents said no. When I got married, I wanted a motorcycle, but they were too dangerous. So my wife said no. And I said, okay. Yes. And then as an adult, right. And then as an adult, which is fair. And then as an adult, (laughs) um, you know, dad said, yeah, yeah, we'll disown you if you buy it, whatever. And so the first thing I did after divorce was like, I want to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So it meant something. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about buying a motorcycle. It was a meaning behind it. But that connected me to the spirit of the 15 year old mm. you know mm. riding a little scooter who couldn't have a dirt bike um yeah and, and crossfit for me was con- connected me to the 12 year old that was spinning on his head and breakdancing in the 80s mm-hmm. you know, so it's a lot of that i think self-betterment is more about a reunion than anything else mm. now i'm curious like and this is just uh my own selfish curiosity how have you is this your first child your 15 month yeah. old you mentioned yeah how have yeah. you navigated this new path? I was actually listening to one of your podcasts earlier today and you were like, I have a seven pound baby on my chest right now and I'm trying to get this oh, episode wow. done while having yeah. this baby on my chest. And I, yeah. when we first recorded with my daughter, I would be literally like breastfeeding her and recording we like two recorded hour episodes, trying to keep her asleep until the, she got her too old first, to do that. Her first daughter, she recorded the first podcast Four days after she was born, three oh, days yeah. after that she was, was the easy born. part because they just sleep all the time. Amazing. It was when she was like three months and shit started to get a little. Why did crazy. you work so fast afterwards? I just wanted to. Okay, you wanted to be busy. We talk, We always do recaps for the Bachelor, and okay. it was just like 
I was, she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to talk like, to a person and off. watch reality yeah. TV. Um, but how have you been navigating this season of your life and your partner's life where there's not, there's so much less time, especially in the first several months to like have that time to yourself. Yeah. I feel like it's, like it's something that me and my partner are constantly struggling with where it's like, yeah. he has these ways of connecting where he loves to surf or I love to thrift shop or whatever. And right. realistically, it's you like can. juggling careers and yeah. your kids and your relationship with each other. How do you make time for yourself? It's so yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Cause you're not just gonna go you know, for a day and go to right. stores and you're going to leave yeah. for like seven or eight hours. <laughs> right, you know, right. I'll be gone for the weekend. It's not realistic <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I think you have to do the best you can. I think it starts with intention and maybe there's a different version of connecting to yourself uh, that doesn't involve, uh, you know, thrift store shopping, but something else that you can do um, home or you could squeeze in. So whether it's journaling or maybe for you, it is podcasting. Maybe sure. this is your escape and this fills you up, you know, mm. so. Uh, stuff like that but yeah it's hard i mean the first year is just survival yeah. it's just fight or flight kind of no sleep i mean I, I so after the first year i said to myself or i was thinking i had a newfound respect for my my parents for any like i was and this is just one child i yeah. mean mm -hmm. some people have three the first four is like the heart in my yeah. opinion yes something the hardest yes and then after the, after shift, the year you know? right the first it's year shocking. the first year it shocked me to my core. <laughs> like I, I still like when I think about it, I kind of like get a, a little shaky. Yeah, yeah straight yeah. up because I, I was we were like we said briefly before the podcast started. It was like I did not expect it to be, to be that hard. Um, I after the first year, then I was like, I love this. I got it. I got a handle on this. I'm communicating with my little one now. It's different, but. Yeah, that first year, a lot of loneliness. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, say um, me witnessing firsthand what a woman goes through. Mm. Uh, so the pregnancy and everything that comes with that, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's nausea, physical, all of your body changing, mm -hmm. um, all the, when you're pregnant, everyone has, the, you know, tips for you, what you should be doing, shouldn't be, all that stuff, right? Um, and then the, the uh, giving birth. That's a whole, I mean, my girlfriend for five days, it was like the crazy roller coaster, putting balloons and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the, the drug stuff. And mm -hmm. then, and then after that, it just continues, you know, judgment and what, just on and yeah. on and on. Yeah. And then uh, a woman's body. And then you're connect. I mean, speaking of connection, how do you connect back to your body when you're, you know, raising a child? Yeah. And then you also um, have a partner. And then, you yeah. know, his or her needs and all, it's just, I can't even imagine. You know? Yeah. The concept of You can't of imagine. Like, <laughs> no. But, but this is why I think back in the day, it took a village. Yes. Oh my goodness. We always would talk about this where it's like the idea of community with children yeah. makes so, so much, much sense. sense. Yeah. It makes so much yeah. sense. And I'm like a little bit of a hermit. Like I like to go out and hang out with people, but I spend a lot of time alone. And I remember after having... Uh, my daughter, the idea of like, hey, like, I, you know, the idea of entertaining people or going out felt overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But like all of a sudden, like all I wanted was my family, like in my home 24 seven, mm -hmm. like, where's mom? Where's dad? Where's my sister? Like, it felt so necessary. And yeah, the loneliness hit so hard because you're like, I need just a minute to myself to just be able to actually be present for my child. But you know, when you have 
you know, whatever's going on. Like our, our daughter was like super colicky for a long time. And it was just like, I can't, I can't, the screaming, like it never stops. Yeah. Like you need a moment, you know? I think that's Ugh. a uh, biological, natural um, need that, that, uh, that you have that most people um, aren't given. When you said that I was thirsty for family yeah. and belonging and kind of that's what I wanted. Uh, a lot of moms uh, are single parents and they're throwing right back into work. And I'm like, <sighs> how do you do this? Even by yourself, I can't even imagine. Yeah, my yeah. respect for single parents. Oh yeah, parents huge, was just like, huge. and you know what's so interesting is like it. I think it, that also all comes back to our culture too. And I, I was like reading something recently about, um, like, in West Africa, how they do like basically mom culture there, mm -hmm. and how like when you're learning how to breastfeed, it's not something you're supposed to figure out on your own. It's something that your sisters, aunts, mm -hmm. mother, grandmother neighbor's mother, grandmother, everyone's there to like take care of you when you're postpartum and to make sure you don't leave your bed for 40 days in some cultures, yeah, in Asian cultures, Mexican right, cultures. Right. Yeah. They hold the baby, right. you sleep, right. they make sure that you have all the information you need to be able to breastfeed. If you can't, for some reason, another nursing neighbor or sister or cousin yeah. will help take over and take care of the baby. Like, and it's just, there's, there's not this like same isolation or even just the way they handle infants it's like you know we're kind of like put the baby in the bassinet in the other room when they're four days old and then in other cultures it's like no that you don't you don't let that baby not be held by anyone in the first like four weeks of their life because that baby was just held in a bed. I don't know it's just this it makes so much sense but like in our United States culture we're just like so isolated yeah. in like our little pods of like our cars and our houses and yeah. I feel like it's, it's like it's like close killing the garage us. door so the neighbors yeah, don't yeah, talk yeah. to you <laughs> like, that's like, yeah. oh and I get so much anxiety when people yeah. try to talk to me yeah. like at a grocery store or something I'm like oh my god get the fuck away <laughs> yeah. but then I'm at home and I'm just like oh why don't I you know I don't have <laughs> community yeah. and i want community yeah. we have um, um little <laughs> vibrating very expensive vibrating beds that uh put the babies uh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> oh, that, yeah that snood yeah. you have the snood yeah. jiggling your oh, baby yeah. back and forth hell that, yeah that thing i mean that thing looks dramatic oh my god i think it looks amazing i wish i had one to strap myself into every oh, night man. And just yeah i remember <laughs> when when i first had the little one and i got like a vibrating bed and i remember right away like my mom or, or my husband's mom or something being like, don't use that because the baby's going to get used to it. You're like, and I'm going to put her in there no, and turn and that then on. I, and so, and so then I literally was like, I was like, okay, we won't use that. And like it cut to like three days later and I like put her in there and she fell asleep right away for the first time. And I'm just like, I don't care what it does. I know, what you feel bad about it because you're supposed to have like 12 people around yeah. you helping you at all times. And when you don't, what the hell are you supposed to do? You know, we have to survive and we have to yeah. get sleep. And well, so. I think sleep is what I've learned is just sleep is number one for the child. And if this child isn't sleeping, uh, his or her brain's not growing. Like it's she's going to be, uh, you know, the. Uh, chaotic and antsy and it's going to ripple into the whole dynamic. Mm -hmm. it's just it's just I, I feel like sleep is the number one thing you should do however you want to do it whatever works for you but that yeah. that is going to determine the quality of your your, yes. your day well, yeah or the quality of your day where yeah, it's yeah. like for me yeah my kids are sleeping all night long when they were attached to my boob for 12 hours straight was I sleeping not right. so much okay. and so <laughs> then it's like how great of a parent or a partner or however can I be if I'm getting four hours of sleep every night yeah I'm going to be having a mental breakdown every single day.
But after that year, it gets fun. Yeah. Like now I'm having a great time. Yeah. Just watching her. I mean, how much they absorb and things they do. You're like, where did you learn that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is it okay? So being like in therapy and life coaching, having a little one, do you feel like, especially as your child's going to get older, that it's going to be tough to like not therapize? Yeah. Because I feel like, and this is, I'm speaking just from my own experience having like, you know, being a human who had loving parents who did make a lot of mistakes. And now, you know, with my kid, it's hard not to like, be like, hey, you know, have just, you know, obviously trying to be a parent without all these voices going on and then like speak it into my kid's life. I would just imagine that like, you know, especially you like interacting with people constantly and seeing different people's trajectory of their life, like to be a parent in that position. I think we have to toss the whole uh, perfect parents. Um, or, you know, when, when people say I'm going to make a mistake or fuck up my child or all that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about fucking up your child, but of course you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. But I don't even know if they're mistakes. It's just life, you know? Yeah. Um, I try to take off my therapy hat. I think there's a danger in, you know, uh, if what I do for a living is, you know, help people with their, their mental and emotional state. Um, there's a responsibility in that where you should be working on yourself, but there's also a danger if you're bringing that home mm-hmm. and you're, you know, behind the post or trying to be your, your girlfriend's therapist or your child's therapist. Mm. Now you're not being a dad or a boyfriend. Mm. Mm. And I imagine too, because of the nature, how you have to be as a therapist, you're maybe also not bringing like your authentic self in a way to yeah. that relationship. Yeah. Like I'm clumsy. I'm, you know, forgetful. I'm all over the place and that's just, that's who I am. So if I was to walk into uh, any relationship, you know, quote unquote professional, it's that's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now putting on your therapy hat, I want to talk about yes. this because, okay, what you brought up is you were talking about your clients, you know, who are like, I can't find, I can't seem to find mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. I love that. Also curious though, what about like the clients who can always somehow find love yeah. and these rem- these wonderful you know, relationships, I feel like I always fit into that category would be like, I can always find a boyfriend and a great boyfriend. Sure. Uh, and I have a really hard time not being with a great boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. So how do you approach that with, and I know there's no inherent issue with that, but I feel like there can be an issue if it is very difficult for you to spend any amount of time without having a back-to-back relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, is your story one where you you haven't been single much, meaning you've always been in a relationship or dating? Yeah, or, or chasing someone yeah. or, you know, yeah. it's always a, otherwise I feel really, I would say personally, I always feel really bored if, if yeah. I've ever been in a place where I don't have a crush on someone or I'm right. not dating someone right. or I'm not breaking up with someone, you know. I think the richest soil is when you're single. Because mm. when you're in a relationship, um, not that you're not growing because you're in a relationship, but um, when you're single, all you have is you. And if you're just trying to find someone else, you're stripping yourself of the the, the to what I believe is the richest soil for growth. Um, because when you're in a relationship, you're 50% of that and you have responsibilities, of, you know, uh, especially with kids. But when you're by yourself, you just have you. And mm-hmm. people see that as a bad thing. Like, oh, that's so sad or that's so boring or it's so, what am I going to do? 
Well, it's also a, 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 an opportunity for you to go um, do everything you've wanted to do, travel, explore. And even when it comes to dating, date like against your type, you know, mm. explore, stretch, um, do everything that you wanted to do so you could just discover you. Um, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of the whole love yourself, but I, I'm a big fan of liking yourself because I think liking yourself has to be earned. Love is a choice, right? We have family members who we love that we don't really like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you're single, if you don't like yourself, what are you bringing to the, the relationship when you do find someone, you know? Mm. Um, and it takes time and energy to like yourself. Um, like I was talking about all the times that I was, um, you know, sitting alone in diners and riding my motorcycles. And like all of that was me liking myself, figuring out, you know, what I like about myself, what I don't, and working on that relationship. Because I knew that when I found someone, I would just bring a more whole person mm-hmm. instead of someone who was um, trying to lose himself in someone else, mm-hmm. right? Or just there for the dopamine. So what happens is I have a lot of clients who don't want to be alone. So um, they're always, they have no problem getting into a relationship and they do, and they have a lot of suitors and all that. Um, and there's a lot of dopamine, but they they slow down their evolution process, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and what happens is the only thing that changes the, are the faces. And it's like the same relationship patterns, same, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you begin? But it does say single on purpose, not single forever. Right. Because people are like, well, you have a girlfriend, you sold out. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you I mean? Yeah, it's not single forever. I don't think that book would have sold. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you feel like I'm sure there are ways to cultivate this if you are in a long-term committed relationship with someone. So how can someone be more intentional about that sort of singleness, obviously not in a destructive way with your current relationship? Yeah, uh, this Mm -hmm. this book, because I also get, well, I'm I'm in a relationship, can I still? Yes, because this isn't about relationships or not, it's about your relationship with yourself. Many people, when they get into a relationship, they drop that ball, they stop pedaling that bike. And so like when they're single, they're out like traveling, mm-hmm, totally. learning, and then they find love and all that goes out the window. <laughs> um, so I think it's that. I think it's um, after you have the runway of um, liking yourself and working on yourself, when you find someone, that can't stop. And not only can that not stop, the other person should be doing it too. Mm-hmm. So you have two pistons pumping to push the, the, the love engine forward, the relationship engine um, and, and, and if you if you don't, and only one person is actively working on his or herself, and the other person is not, then that's where like the whole drifting, outgrowing. That's when that that's when it gets dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. And that's when that happens. You know what's interesting yeah. is this sort of parallels with to me some of the conversations we, we've had some conversations on the podcast with um, non monogamous folks, and it's interesting yeah. because they talk about a lot of the same things that you're talking about in terms of like they really had to come to terms with like who they are when uh, they started being in an open relationship and their partner like was dating someone. And then they mm-hmm. were, it, it was all fun and games when they would like both have a new partner at the same time. But not then what, one, about, right, what, right. what about right. when you're the one stuck at home while the other person's <laughs> yeah. going out on a date, you know? And you're twiddling your thumbs, you know, at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. And not that you have to be single or in a non-monogamous relationship to find that, but it was a sort of a similar conversation about like you have to you have to get comfortable. Sometimes you're, you have to get comfortable with yourself and like being alone and deal with feelings of 
being in, feeling insecure yeah. or I struggle with that in my monogamous relationship. Even sometimes when like my boyfriend's gonna go out for a weekend with friends and I'm just like, oh, what about me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna leave me? I, I gotta imagine um, that's gotta be one of the greatest black lights to put on on one's insecurity is, is and, and that's, I mean, I've never done an open relationship, but if, if I did, that would probably be one of the, the, the most difficult things is like, yeah. What if she's getting all the action and yeah. I'm like just oh it's all fun and games until you're the single one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, it's so true. Yeah, I, I so um in my relationship, like I said, we got married extremely young. Yeah. I was twenty three. Yeah. And we had been together like for many years before that. Um and what like everything that you're talking about resonates with me so much because I like had to understand what it was like to be single, like in a marriage then. Yes. Um, without, without breaking the rules. Right. 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 So it was like, okay, I, one day I woke up and I was like, how Becca, I'm like how Becca is where I'm like, I'll chase a relationship always. Like I'm never single. I like when you were talking about kind of like doling, like the outside noise and like not tuning into yourself and like using relationships to do that. I always would do that. Um, but then one day, like I woke up and I love my husband so much, but I woke up one day in my marriage and I'm like, I don't know who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always hyper anxious, um, irritable. When would you say this was? Um, I would say, let's see, you got married 23. I would say t- probably t- only two years, two and a half years into the marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two and a half years into the marriage. It was just like, I don't think I can do this. And I, I, I just didn't know, like, I didn't know how to be comfortable with the idea that like, I still love this person, but I feel like I missed out on Mm -hmm. a major, like integral part of my development because I wasn't alone. Right. And you know, we ended up like being in a situation where we both kind of went in a similar direction, our growth patterns. And so um, it ended up working out and we kind of grew in a similar direction. But it's still one of those things, like as much as we adore each other, there is like, there's loss there big time where you like have to process and actively process now that we're like in our mid thirties where you're like, okay, what does this look like now? We've been together for, you know, 16 years and there there has been loss because you didn't have this major part of your life with self-discovery. Yes. And like, how do you actively continue? Yeah, continue to do that. You, you What was stripped from you was the whole self-exploration period. Yeah, exactly. Um, right before I met Vanessa, I was actually writing this book. It's in the book. Uh, I, I, because I've only been in long-term relationships, I wanted to, to do all the things that everyone else um, did that, that maybe even they regretted. I wanted to uh, wake up with someone I didn't like. Yeah. I wanted to, I've never had a one-night stand. Yeah. Like I wanted to have a threesome, you know, and I know those don't play out probably the way they, they do in your head. 
and uh, <laughs> ecstasy. I've never done like ecstasy with right. You, you know, just want to yeah. do the cra- crazy. I wanted yes. to go crazy. Yeah, and yeah. then of course the way the universe works, you know, going a blind date and suddenly you know, I'm in a really. I didn't get far. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I got kind of. I, I you know I did a, a date here and there, but it's very innocent. It wasn't. It wasn't what I imagined. But yes, that's that's what. what uh, and it's not like this idea of sowing your oats. It's self exploration. Right. You know. Right. And uh, you kind of said the answer when you opened with this, which was, um, how, do, how do I find, how do I, how do I be single in my marriage yeah. without cheating? Right, sure. right. If both of you guys can be single in your marriage without cheating. Or without being emotionally absent or right, whatever. Right, right, without checking out. Yeah. Right. Um, now you're bringing two whole people to the table and it's probably going to re-spark. It's going to re-spark the dynamic of that relationship, I think. Hmm. Interesting. If one person does it, there's going to be drift. Yes. And control. And you're changing. Who are you? Get back over here into my bathtub. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I saw this. uh, um, This hit me like 10 years ago. I was flipping through a magazine. I think it was a yogurt ad. Um, But the question I always get is, what does a healthy relationship look like? And I'm always like, you know, long winded about it. And and, and this image was two people. uh, They were like in their 80s in separate bathtubs on top of the Grand Canyon facing, you know, looking at a sunset or something, facing in one direction. And what connected them was they were holding hands outside of the bathtub. So like a Viagra commercial yeah, or something? Yeah, it was probably a yeah. yogurt Viagra or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I think healthy looks like. And mm. I think what we think healthy looks like, especially in our 20s, is two people sitting on top of each other in a jacuzzi mm-hmm. and facing each other. And now, of course, that looks sexier and it probably feels better. But what's health? What's healthy is the, the what's sustainable. What's sustainable, yeah. right? Long term. Um, what's harder? What's going to bring up all your insecurities and all the shit that you have to work through? Yeah, is the your own bathtub, you know? But yeah. how do you get there unless you're able to be single in your relationship? Right, you know? right, and that's yeah, that's like that's this been this weird, that's been like this weird journey, and I would say most recent years like because I was like kicking and screaming when I was like 25 around when I'm like I don't think I can do this da 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 and we were struggling and then I got pregnant and it was kind of like oh shit you know here we (laughs) are I guess we're gonna figure this out and you know and and I then had there was a lot of dynamic change where then we connected again because like I was saying, I, we were really involved in the church and then like, I just like, I moved away from things and I started to feel like I was being honest and free. And then he was able to feel that way. And then we were able to have these conversations and really start to become who we are. And that helped. And I would, I would imagine the idea of being single, like at least I'm starting to get to know myself. But in recent years, it's been like a big conversation about what does our marriage look like in 10 years, 15 years? Because we didn't have, because even when we were not technically married, um, we were still in like a very conservative space. So like, you know, like you're talking about the idea of like doing ecstasy or Mm -hmm. like, you know, having a one night stand like Mm -hmm. that just, there are those curiosities of course. And so that's all, that's always a, a, like an interesting active conversation because you're like, well, I love you and I want to be with you, but like, what does in 10 years look like? Because that wasn't afforded in the relationship, you know? Yeah. I imagine that probably one of the big keys to making relationships work when you're going to start on that path is like probably a lot of honesty. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
um, if I was to pick one word, I mean, definitely honesty, it would be um, ownership. Mm-hmm. Because honesty is baked into ownership. If you can't own, there, I don't think there's a relationship. There's only defense. And um, it's actually rare to see two people who are owning their piece, mm-hmm. right? So what you just disclose is, is you owning your truth. It's, you know, yeah, I missed out on those years and this is where I'm at, this is how I feel. Yeah. Um, what are you gonna do about that, right? And then, yeah. so I think owning, um, it's, it's what, uh, it's, I think that the, the most important ingredient in building a relationship, I don't think you could actually build something with legs if two people are not to a certain extent owning taking ownership, whether it's of their happiness, you know, of their whatever sexuality, their needs, you know, mm-hmm. you, you name it, just owning their insecurities, mm-hmm. their shortcomings, all of that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. with ownership, there's honesty, and then it's like, okay, let's start there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. How do you, uh, do you have any practical tips on how to begin? I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who might be like, I don't know where to begin and I feel like my relationship might be too far gone or we're too old or we're both too immature Mm. or we're too whatever. Do you have practical advice for people on like, how do I start taking ownership? How do we start moving forward together? Getting really honest with um, where you're at. Most people are scared to say it. What they want, what they don't like. Yeah. I don't like it when you touch me there. I don't, or I don't, um, I'll be honest, I'm, I've kind of fallen out of love with you. Mm. It's so hard to say that. It's yeah. terrifying. And also, you don't want to oh, say that to yeah. the other person yeah. because you have children. But like, if you don't start with truth, there's just a lot of um, like walking around. Like right. we're actually, you're not going to be able to really do the work. And so that's where like, then like secrecy starts. And I feel like that's yes. a lot of times the beginning of the end. That's when you're like playing with your hand. Um, I'm talking about like with cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe playing with your hand on the weekends. Um, <laughs> You, you got to put your cards. This is the hand that I have right now at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do about it? Let me see your hand. Okay, this is what we have on the table. This is truth. Now, what can we do? Yeah, and of course, you have to make sure that those statements, of course, are like true. Well, like a true statement, for instance, is like, like you said, I don't like it when you touch me like that or yeah, whatever. Yeah. A true statement is not you're annoying. Well, that's that's not that's not ownership. That's blaming. Mm. Yeah, that's like, yeah, whenever you say you are, you're instantly not being open and owning. Yeah. You're now saying you're the problem. Right, yeah. and then the I statement you're is a nightmare. And then the I statement, I always get around the I statement where I'm like, I feel like you. <laughs> well, I feel I like you're feel annoying. like right. you're not being honest. Or I feel like you aren't putting in effort. Or yeah. I feel, yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between I don't like it when you touch me that way or you're really bad at, you know, giving head. Yeah. 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 You know, so. Yeah. yeah. How's someone going <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to respond to that? Like, oh my God, I guess we're well, over. Uh, most, most likely that will be response with defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like rarely if someone says that to you, you're going to come back with like openness and kindness. Yeah, be like, oh, well, tell me what I can do better. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there like any way, any, any like, specific tools you could use to begin some kind of honest dialogue for that. I think that's actually a great example because we get a lot of questions whenever we do like little advice segments Mm -hmm. or confessions where people are like, I hate the way my partner kisses me. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. I want to introduce blank into the bedroom I and hate, I don't know how to I bring it up. I hate his sex voice. That was on the other okay, day. That was when we got. The voice he oh. uses when they're having sex. It like changes, I hate huh? the way that he, yeah. But I do know with sexual topics in particular, people are like, I don't, and I've struggled. I think everyone has struggled with this at some point. I don't know how to communicate this to my partner without it becoming a whole thing right. and without it blowing up in your face. Because particularly with that subject, people's defenses are so strong. So even if you're coming from a very gentle place, trying to, I mean, I've been in that position before being like, let's take it, let's take the conversation out of sex. Let's have it when we're in, you know, and mm -hmm. in some other place mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, being like, hey, I wanna talk about this. And I think it could still be met with like a lot of like, mm -hmm. ah, yeah. someone freaking out. <laughs> All you can do, I think in any relationship, um, you know, marriage, friendship, it doesn't matter with your parents, you can speak your truth with kindness um, and using I statements. What they do with that is, that's on, it's a die marker mm. to see where they're at in their journey. So if I say, um, if I say to my girlfriend, um, hey, this is how I feel when you touch me, can you, whatever. Um, if she says, well, then go, go get it from someone else. That's a direct reflection. Her defense is a direct reflection on where she's at and yeah. also um, putting a black light on fears, insecurities, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so if that person, if she's willing to talk about where that comes from, whether with me or a therapist, now we're getting to, you know, solutions and, and, and producing glue and trust. Mm -hmm. Like if that's her, that's, if that's all there is, then there's gonna be drift and what can you do with that, you know? So yeah. I think uh, the promise that we need to make to ourselves is to constantly be honest in a kind, compassionate way and self-expressive to our partners or anyone that we want to invest in a relationship with, that that's like foundational. If you mm -hmm. don't do that, you're doing life around someone or at, not with. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing is it's really hard to do life with people because we're too scared to tell them what we think mm -hmm. or what hurts us. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do life around, which most of us do, like the person that hates the sexy voice. Yeah. And I can't even imagine that. They're like naked in bed and I he's making this weird like, hi, I love you. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I even like focus and drop yeah. into your body. So that's doing life around. Yeah. Right. She's just taking it. Uh, doing life at mm -hmm. is controlling. Well, you need to do this. That's doing life at. Mm -hmm. Doing life with is, hey, this is how I feel. I love you. It's coming from compassion, whatever. Um, how can we... It's coming from a desire to connect more deeply connect. with you. Yeah, all of that. And here's what I love about what you do. You know, yeah. all of that. So doing life with is hard and rare. And if two people are doing life with, the, the magnets are flipped in the right way. If people are doing life at or around, the magnets are flipped the other way. Mm. You know, and then you're going to start getting curious very quickly about other people. Yeah. So Vanessa and I did a uh, Instagram live about um, how it's okay to be um, it's just human to be attracted to other people. For sure. Oh my God. People just fucking shitstorm. Like, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yeah. They are supposed to be your one and your only, your moon and your stars. You're never supposed to think oh about my another person. God. And I'm like, no, we're, I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet. Yeah. Are you it kidding me? It doesn't mean you want to build a relationship with that person, but you're going to, if you have a conversation or if you're, you know, at Starbucks or whatever, and there's a, an exchange and you find a quality of someone attractive, whether it's their ass or their humor. Mm-hmm. The, the the thing not to do is to ignore that or why you against it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and what's that do so um 
yeah, that means we're human. Uh. That means that it's okay. That doesn't mean that you want to follow that person home、mm-hmm. or build a life with that person, you know?、Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, that was like a huge. Thing, it's like, oh my god, no, it's so. I think it taps into people's insecurities, yes, yes. of course,、yeah. and there should. And, like, um, you know,、uh, my boyfriend should only have eyes for me, yes. And if, if I see him looking at anyone else, <laughs> then you know, it means something.、Right? <laughs> we always we always talk about how, with like people that we know, if they're like, oh, my partner only find like tells me like they only find me attractive, we're like, run <laughs> because I don't trust that、A、red flag, they're、yeah. lying to you, sweetie. Like, Yeah, no, it's it's they're so, lying to you, or 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 you're on such a pedestal that that's going to be it's going to be un,、uh, yeah unhealthy. It's going to be、right. lopsided. Yeah, yeah. this pedestal is going to come crumbling <laughs> down real fast, and like there's going to be、right. some serious problems.、Yeah. I suppose that come okay. So you're talking sort of about that like clenching up against, I guess, humanness. And I was listening to, like I said, one episode that you recorded、um, or that you released recently. And you were talking about、um, stepping out of this like fight or flight mode.、Mm-hmm. And that really hit home for me. And I'm sure it will for so many people because that sort of like constant tension in your stomach,、mm-hmm. the stress,、yeah. the clenched shoulders, and TMJ and all、oh, these、gosh. other things. It's like it, I feel like everyone around me is crumbling under this constant. Um, like you said in the episode, it's not like any big thing, it's not someone dying. In fact, If there's anything that I've noticed, sometimes it takes a really catastrophic event to sort of crumb, sort of disintegrate that,、yeah. actually. Like in my life, some of the most catastrophic things that have happened to me have sort of made me restructure and, in a roundabout way, given me more peace because I've been forced to, like,、mm-hmm. anyway. But I feel like so many people that I know and myself are sort of in this constant, just kind of like, Little ball of like tension and everyday stress yeah, that is just、yeah. the only thing propelling you through career, relationships, family dynamics, etc. The, the subtle fight or flight, I think,、uh, that kind of subtle panic、um, is more dangerous than, like you said, a huge life, whatever, because it's like a leaky faucet can drown you because、mm-hmm. you're not even that aware of it, just kind of going through it because it's not that bad,、yeah. but it, you know.、Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh,、um, that's what pushes us down into lower frequencies, you know, and over time, it just, we just realize we're not happy.、Mm-hmm. You know? So,、uh, checking in with our bodies because we're mostly in our heads and, you know, cognitive distortions and trying to outthink things, but dropping into your body. And if you feel the panic or、um, talking about it, figuring out where it's coming from,、uh, this is why I talk a lot about、um, the new love experience. So,、uh, it's not just about dating someone new. It's about giving yourself a new love experience. Even if you've been with the same person for 16 years, that reconditions your body,、mm. that allows your body to、um, rewire itself where it's no longer in fight or flight. So, how you do that is going to be different for everyone, depending on your story and, and the relationship. But、um, I think giving yourself a new love re-、uh, experience is going to be the only way. That you no longer live in fight or flight, but it's the new norm. So it's, it's calm. How you get there is going to be through a lot of conversations with you and your partner. You know? And maybe that panic is you know, the way that he or she talks to you. Maybe it's your own stuff. Maybe it's your relationship with your body. I mean, there's so many you know, factors. But yeah, living in subtle fight or flight is always going to 
wear you out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what suffering is. Yeah. And I think I was just thinking right now as you're talking about it, like, you know, when you see those crazy videos of people on the internet, like the crazy Karens or people who just like lose it on a random yeah. cashier yeah. or whatever, right. or like road rage people who just start crashing their car into someone. That's, I feel like that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the manifestation yeah, of it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Um, that's because they're on edge constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something happening where that anxiety is so peaked. Um, and then it comes out and you're right, whether it's, you know, over screaming at the or, flight attendant yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, and I think if you follow that thread down, it, it's deep. Yeah. It's not because of what's happening on the surface, which is, you know, someone's not wearing a mask or it's deeper. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when in your own home, I'm thinking now even just back on like what we were saying about like the questions of like, oh, I don't like when my partner does this or talks in that voice to me or whatever. When, I mean, I know at least for myself, the root reason a lot of times I won't bring up those those issues that I have is either because one, I'm scared of what the answer will be, like mm-hmm. what it's going to reveal about the relationship yeah. and I want to avoid it. Or like, you know, I don't want to get into like an argument, which again is then a root issue of like, okay, well then why why is it becoming an argument? Um, and it's like the it makes me so sad to think about like you know myself and like you know others that like you allow you allow something like that to stop you from trying to be happy and like yourself in your own home, like Mm. in your own safe space Mm. and like how much unbelievable, like when you're talking about like tension in your body and pain that that must cause just to avoid a revelation of like, oh, someone's maybe going to have a bad reaction and get their feelings hurt. If I say like, I don't like the way that you, that like, you know, or I, I prefer that you kiss me in a different way and like what that might, what that might look like, like the idea of avoiding all of that and like what that actually ends up transpiring when like life is, is so short, mm. like it's such a blip. Um, it's a form of hiding. Yeah. I think that's why relationships are so hard because it, uh, if you don't show yourself, if you, because uh, it's so easy to hide, then it kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes that subtle fight or flight, or there's always eggshells, there's always something in the room, and you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. to actually get to a place where your re- relationship feels like a, a safe tree, and that you're calm, and mm-hmm. it feels like you know, like you're just taking a bath or whatever, not not getting you know, uh, falling into a riptide, um, that requires two people to really show themselves, mm. which is terrifying. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, that that's where it starts, though. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you're also you're so out of the habit of honestly expressing like things to another person. I've been realizing it lately with like certain familial or friendship dynamics mm-hmm. where uh, it's something happened this weekend. I was visiting my parents and it was just like I got all upset about something with my mom and it, but she didn't know. And so I was just sitting outside stewing over it instead of and then I had a moment where I was just like, why don't I just tell her, yeah. you know, hey, when you left and did this. That made me feel like you didn't want to spend time with me. And like, is that true? Right. Uh, like, that's such an easy antidote to all right. of the feelings that I'm imagining and conjuring up and yes. conclusions I'm running to. Uh, it's a muscle we rarely exercise. That's why. It's a very weak muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that, I mean, it's, 
it's not that hard, but I feel like a lot of times I have so much, so many assumptions about someone's response that I don't give them the grace or the chance to prove me wrong in that assumption. So I have this whole idea in my head of who they are based on my imagination, essentially, right? If you don't text me back in like seven seconds, we're not friends anymore. Right. <laughs> and I create this whole story. Yeah. And it's like, no, I was taking a shit, man. And, you know, and, and it still happens after I learned the lesson. Yeah, it's us um, jumping into conclusions, um, catastrophizing. It's all the cognitive distortions, living in time machines. Um, yeah, all the stuff in our head. <laughs> mm -hmm. The most dangerous place to live. Mm. Yeah. So what would you recommend like as one of the first steps for people who are just like, my life is out of control right now. My relationship's shit. I have no connection to myself. <laughs> I don't have any time. You know, I'm alone. Uh, first step, take a breath. Um, tell yourself, promise yourself that you're going to do something. A lot of people um, think about like, oh, I want to change my life. I'm going to read some books. But they don't really actually do any work. You oh know? my God, the amount of time it took me and my partner to actually go to therapy together yeah. after yeah. we had talked about it at in every fight for a year and a half, yeah. you know, two yeah. years. So, and listen, therapy isn't the only, during the pandemic, I uh, started this thing called The Lab and I got my team together to do just Zoom. And so now we have um, all these classes, they're like 50 minutes and codependency attachment styles, all these fun mm. classes, um, tarot cards, astrology, um, but you're doing it with like 20, 30 other people and it's super casual. You can turn your camera on or off and so it doesn't feel clinical. So if something like that is attractive, maybe that, but something that involves you doing something instead of just thinking mm -hmm. or just digesting information isn't the word. A lot of people are like, well, I read a ton of self-help books. Okay, so you're learning a lot. <laughs> what, what are you doing with that? Right. You know, has your life. It's like saying I have a ton of programming for fitness. I don't really go to the gym, but I know. I've read a lot of fitness books. I've read right. a lot of books. I know how everything works in right. your body. Like, so do you do burpees? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, you know, so. Um, what they say, quote unquote, doing the work, getting into rooms or communities or something where there's some engagement and processing um, because there's stuff happening underneath that you're not aware of and you can't unearth that by yourself. Mm -hmm. It requires conversation. Yeah. yeah. So even if it's friends and coffee, like whatever, you know, whatever works for you or whatever you can afford um, to get into a room, even if it's virtual with someone else to process. Processing would be my thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah processing okay Interesting. processing equals revel uh revelations and then that's half and then the other half is execution mm -hmm. most people don't get to having any revelations They're like oh well nothing's working what are you doing just reading <laughs> yeah that's a one-way thing yeah. you know? do you think there's processing outside of uh talking to another person or does you think processing has to happen like with a with I another person i think there's a form of it like when you journal yeah you know there's there's some processing but I don't think because when when you're talking about uh, bringing the unconscious conscious, it's you're not aware of it. So it's you need that mirror and a flashlight. You need someone to say, "Oh, here's what I noticed." You need someone to create a space that's not judgmental, but like, "Here's what you just said," or "Here's a false belief," or "Here's what I just realized mm -hmm. about you." And you're like, "Holy shit, that's where it comes from." Mm -hmm. So it's not I'm not throwing chairs because you know he went. It's because of this or whatever. And then that insight, now you have something to work with. Okay, so now what are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm going to tell him how it really makes me feel. Okay, now there's a shift, right? Mm -hmm. And then holding on to that. And, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, even if you're not like, like I know for myself, it's like even if now that I'm thinking about it, even if I'm not like having an active conversation with some someone about like 
the problem that I'm dealing with, just interacting like in a human space, mm -hmm. uh, hearing from other people then will bring like a mirror often to myself where you're like just hearing other people's like life situations mm -hmm. and I'm going, oh, okay, they handle it that way or like, oh, that reminds me of myself and I don't think I... I like that right now. Like I don't, and just processing that way definitely versus just kind of. Yeah. I think you could have revelations through conversations. I'm sure you guys have met, have had many just through having guests. And oh totally. yeah. Also with each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, friends. totally. Yeah. There's so, so many days after like the podcast that like I'll walk away and I'll be like for the next like four days in a full process mode of right. like, oh, she brought that up and I never thought about that. And mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like downloading like all of these things yes. that I hadn't, you and know. Any kind of human engagement can create revelations. Mm -hmm. That's, you actually said that on the episode too. You're basically like, um, kind of like the, the the antidote to like life is friends. Like you didn't say that specifically, but it's sort of like friends are the answer. Like having people that you trust that you have honest oh, connection with yeah. are like, which. It's hard making friends as adults too. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, also as parents, like we don't have it's the very time. Hard. You know, when we're in school, it's, it's, the structure, there's recess, yeah. there's all these opportunities. And then when you become adult, yeah. it's like, it's so hard to make friends. It's yeah. so hard. And it's also hard because it's hard to be honest with strangers. Yeah. And I feel like that's the first step in creating a relationship. You usually have like the first two friendship dates if you make it that far where you're just kind of small talking and being like, you know, yeah. and, eh, and then maybe you can get to a, maybe like the third friendship date unless right. you have someone you just hit it off with. But usually you have to be kind of intentional. There's like yeah. a couple mm -hmm. hangouts are maybe kind of awkward. And so yeah, it takes time. And yeah. Uh, yeah, not surface friends. I mean, like meaningful friends. Yeah, yeah, People they're you trust, important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so making an effort. Uh, and you know, Vanessa, and I struggle with it too. Sometimes we feel like we're on an island up in Altadena, you know. And so yeah. um, making an effort as adults. Uh, that's that's filed under self care. Yeah. Some friends. Yeah. Mm hmm. Gotta go out and make some more friends. I know. <laughs> you, you guys make friends, and I'm gonna buy a uh, duvet. What's it called? Not a duvet. Uh, uh, oh, uh, bidet. Uh, bidet. Bidet. A tushy. You can buy a nice duvet too. We I'll have buy a, a duvet we have a code. Yeah. We have a code for that. Yeah. <laughs> I need a code for for. We both. have high thread count sheets. <laughs> yeah. Bamboo. Yeah. We love them. Attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mattress. A new mattress if you want. Yeah. You know <laughs> what you want. We yeah. we got it. Yeah. The code for the ass sprinkler. I need yeah. That. Yes. 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 But. Okay, so you said you have something about a second book. So is this your second? That's my third. This is your third book. Yeah, and then I just um, which set, one's your I best? Just up a, uh, <laughs> Out of all it's three like of them, children. Uh, well, yes. according to ratings, and uh, so that book got picked up by Target and it's doing really nice. well. And so, congrats. Um, according to my reviews, the one you have in your hand is the best so far. Is it's it on book. Audible? Yep. I'm probably going to go download yeah, it on Audible. Audible with one of my 20 credits I haven't used. <laughs> oh, for sure, you should feed your brain. So, John, can you plug away and we'll put all this in the episode notes, yeah. broads, but like where we can find you, the listeners, you uh, know, your yeah. podcast. Um, at the Anger Therapist is um, my social. And then, um, yeah, this thing called Lab is, is really taking off. I think it's helping a lot of people. Yeah, it so, so, sounds so interesting. Yeah. So if you're interested in like, how do I explain it? It's like, uh, you know, a mental, emotional gym Okay. And, um, but in a fun way. We have movie night. We have so speaking of making friends, it's what we're trying to do. So like minded people. I mean, it is the internet, but like what else can you do, you know? Yeah. What else can you yeah. do? But it's real. They're not profile pics. They're actually live, you know, hanging Okay, so out. this isn't like it's not like 
masterclass per se. Like these are live sessions. No, live sessions, 50 minutes, be a group. And it's like hybrid of like, so Vanessa teaches codependency and she, hers is one of the pop, most popular. And so it's talking about codependency, but also opening it up and us creating conversation. Oh, I'm so into that. Yeah, yeah that's this is so like cool. Right oh, I what think do you it's mean the new way to grow. Night? It's what? gonna be the new way, I think. Movie Instead night, just, do you all watch a movie together? And yeah, there's like, this app. Um, so uh, Dr. MC is one of our trauma coaches and she started it and people love it. It's basically, there's an app, I guess you could engage with people while you're watching a movie. Oh, I don't know anything about this. That's fun. So they watch that's a movie, so but they're also engaging, which is, I don't know, maybe that's annoying. Maybe it's like, you know, watching someone who talks too much in a theater. I don't know, but no, there's an but, app where you're doing it together, but you're actually watching it. That's so cool. I mean, I took, I just finished my bachelor's degree on Zoom, but I, <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I, even though I was, yeah. I was finishing an art degree, which people are always like, how was that? And I was like, it was different, but I personally liked it. I like that you can be in your own comfortable space right. and like, mm -hmm. not feel, wear pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> feel totally yeah. safe, you know, yeah. and then also get to connect with people while having that level of distance. And I personally, there's like a lot it. of people doing a lot of creative things on Zoom now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's the lab yeah, or like TAT, like the angry therapist lab. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The angry therapist lab. Cool. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Brads will put all the info in the episode notes, the links of the book and the lab and all of that. We really appreciate you coming yeah, on. Yeah. Thank you for really having appreciate me. appreciate you. Yeah, it was a good, meaningful conversation. I'm going to go process all of this. <laughs> <laughs> good. And with that, chat soon, Brads. Chat soon. Chat soon.